Thanks for joining us on the Church of the Lakes podcast, where we inspire life, share life, and give life. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at cotlakes.com. We'd love to connect with you. Now, let's go to the message. We are in a series called, What Do I Believe? What what do I believe? And and we are walking through the series because everybody has ideas, thoughts, or even beliefs about Christianity. What it is, who, who is God, who is Jesus, what is this whole thing about? The problem is, is that most of it is not based on Scripture. Most of it is based on traditions, paintings, secular media, religion, or what Grandma or Uncle Joe said. Right? Like we, we, we bring all of our stuff with us as opposed to lining up with what the Scripture is. So we have decided to do this series to try and get back to some basics, to make sure beliefs are aligned with the Bible. And, and, and not just kind of what we think or where we heard somewhere or what we heard somewhere else. So we're using something called the Apostles' Creed. Now, hear me on this. The Apostles' Creed is not sacred. It's not scripture. It's not the word of God. We're, we're not putting any overemphasis on something that is outside of scripture. Here's why the Apostles' Creed was written. It was written somewhere around 150 A.D. And it was not written by the apostles. That's not why it's called the Apostles' Creed. It was written because they wanted to take the teachings that the apostles taught and give a summary. And give why? Because they were already dealing with just 150 years, right, since, since, since Jesus had been. It just in that amount of time, they were already dealing with heresies and wrong ideas and misconceptions. And, all, and it sounds a lot like what I see in our culture today. And they said, we need something that reflects truth that is something simple that we can put together. And so they wrote the Apostles' Creed. Let me read to you the first part of it. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. That's where we started week one. And if you weren't here, I would challenge you to go back and look. Because we talked about what does it really mean to be a son? Not a slave, but a son or a daughter of our Heavenly Father. That was week one. He goes on. Creator of heaven and earth. Last week, we talked about creation. And I hope if you were here, you were inspired last week. Right? God is bigger than big and closer than close. Right? And we talked a lot of science last week and the reality that you can look at science and try to define God, but science is never going to be able to define God because science was within the created. How does the created define the creator? Only the creator can define the created. Right? He is the creator of all things. And then it goes on, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again from the dead. We're going to talk about Jesus today. And I'm going to start with a scripture written by Paul. For those of you who don't know who Paul is, Paul was a guy that killed Christians. And hated Christians. And then he had this moment, this interaction, where God himself, Jesus himself, appeared to him and, and, and sort of had an interaction in his life that changed his entire perspective. And then Paul goes on to launch all kinds of churches and then to write letters to them to help correct and fix their ideas and, 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 and give them different charges and what was right and wrong. So I want to read to you out of 1 Corinthians 2 something that Paul wrote. That I think is just phenomenal. I'm going to read it out of the message, which is a paraphrase of the Bible, but, but I, I love the way that it says it here. First Corinthians 2, 1 and 2. 
You'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with published speeches and the latest philosophy. I think quite often in the church today we do that. You know, if Pastor Mike can put together this eloquent speech, we feel like we've accomplished something. If I can say something deep, right? People sometimes say, no, Pastor Mike, give it, give it to us deep. And I think all that means is confuse me so I can go out going, wow, that was me. Right? Like, latest philosophy. And Paul's saying, no, 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 we're not going to do it that way. We're not, it's not going to be all this intellectual approach to who God is. He says, I deliberately, deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is. Then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. So today we're going to talk about Jesus. A lot of misconceptions and misrepresentations, I think, of who Jesus is. So today I want to remind you that he did all that he did, listen, just to have relationship with you. There's a term that we use in the church, and I don't think people really know how to define it. We say you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And we sit in church and go, mm-hmm, yeah. But I wonder how many of us actually have the ability to verbally put together the words. What does it mean to have a personal relationship? What, what does it look like to have relationship with a guy? And it's hard because I can't see him. And, it, and it's hard because I can't touch him. And, and it, it's hard because maybe I haven't learned how to hear him yet in that whole process. I, I just want to remind you, everything Jesus did was to have relationship. He could have walked away. I mean, if God could look at us in our mess, come on, he could have looked at the mess that was right within his life and been like, I don't think so, I don't want to get involved with that. But he didn't. He dives in. Why? Well, he, he wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to be more than a savior. A savior in a lot of ways for us is just to get out of hell free ticket. Right? I, if, I just, if I just pray this prayer, I mean, I'm going to have it. Like he died to be more than just the Savior. He, he, he died to be more than just Lord. In other words, like rules, do's and don'ts, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you're going to act this way. Hear this. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your friend. Let me pray right there and ask God to give us a revelation today. Father, this is a, a bridge that we need. This is a gap we need to bridge today. Between what it means to have relationship and friendship with you or just to put you on the shelf as an idol or some god that we use to have eternity. So Holy Spirit, would you give us revelation today? Would you open our hearts and our eyes and our minds that we might understand you in a different way today? We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Anybody else uh, have a family that does nicknames? Anybody else like we are, we are big into nicknames, you know what I mean? Uh, and they're going to kill me, but that's all right. Um, Christina, I always learned that I would call her Cinderella. Like, always back to Cinderella. So to this day, Cinderella, I call, you know, I can think of youth group kids. I remember a kid way back in youth group, and her name was Jennifer Ross. But I called her Jen Ross. It was one word. Right? And it just, it's stuck now. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, you have this moment where you have with somebody, you come up with a nickname or something that you call them, and, and it's endearing. You know what I'm talking about? And it defines the relationship. 
You know, you go on a trip with a group of guys, and, you know, one of them falls off the deer stand, you know, and they, they say you give them something, you know, you know, that butt name or something. These guys be talking like that to each other. Ladies don't do that kind of stuff. You can't say the word, the F word. I'm talking about facts, right? Um, but, but, but you, 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 you guys know what I'm talking about, nicknames? Like, nicknames are a really big deal. Some of my old youth kids call me uh, P. Mitty. Way back in the day when P. Diddy was a thing, they named me P. Mitty. Uh, and so to this day, I'll see some of my kids, and they'll call me that scenario. And so, nicknames endear you. Did you know that Jesus had a nickname? You show it to me. You Matthew 1 and 21 says this. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. That's his given name. Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins, right? Jesus was actually a fairly common name. You can see a Jesus that come on Anybody gone to a Mexican restaurant and seen a Jesus? You know what I'm talking about? If you're lucky enough, he's your waiter. So that every time he brings you something, you go, thank you, Jesus. Right? That's funny. Okay, here we are. But, but that was Jesus' given name. But look at two verses later. Look at Matthew 1 and 23. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. They will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. It's a nickname. Right? His child is Jesus. We're going to call him Emmanuel. Why would they nickname him? Well, one of the most important traits for us to understand about Jesus is that he's no longer this distant, hard-to-reach, obscure, mysterious God. No, 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 now he's got with us. A lot of us carry him, call him, and treat him by his real name, Jesus. And that's a good thing, because we need to know, right, who our Savior is, who saves us from our sins. But so many Christians have never known him as Emmanuel. God with me, relationship. Not known him as the God who is up close and personal. Jesus is God with us. He was fully God and fully man when he walked on this planet. Look at John 1 and 14. The Word. What's the Word? Well, originally, remember the story. So the whole world is a mess, so much so that he creates a flood and, you know, destroys everything and the whole scenario and all this. Things are just bad. And the problem is there's no truth because Satan has come in and brought lies. And now there's sin and the struggle. And what does God he couldn't walk away. He doesn't. He says, I want to put my truth back into the mix of the madness. So what they start with is the Ten Commandments. Do you remember the story? Right? It's chiseled on stone. He brings them the word. Here's words of truth. And they come up with the Torah and we get the Old Testament and all that. But look at this. The word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. This is so important. Because Jesus did not just come catch this to preach on hillsides, to give us instructions to live out, and then to die to pay our sins. No, in fact, there was so much more to his life, catch this, that that was the smallest part of his life. I want you to think for a second. We spend most of our time studying the smallest part of Jesus' life. What do I mean by that? Well, he lived for 33 years. What we study is three, right? When he started his ministry, and then when he was crucified, died, and buried, there was a three years. That's your question. What happened in the 30 years? Like, what, what is the 30 thing all about? What are the 30 years 
or cold or even indifferent, but is someone that sympathizes with your struggles. In other words, he understands. He really understands. I have three thoughts on that. Let me give you three thoughts on that. One is he understands relationships. He understands relationships. Do you know why Jesus understands relationships? Because he had a family. Anybody in here? Anybody got a perfect family in here? I don't know if I'm talking to the right crowd or not. Now look at this. Mark 6 and 3. This, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? The brother of, catch this, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Four brothers he had. Are his sisters here with us? Plural, so at least two sisters. Including Jesus. That's seven kids. How many of you know? Seven children in a home is a tranquil home. No, it's not. Have you ever thought about one of the brothers punching Jesus? Or duct taking him to a chair? But he, he, lived, he, he lived this. He dealt with sisters. And, and he never sinned. So was he the goody two shoes? Right? Oh, Jesus. I mean, right? Mom's on my side of the chariot or donkey or whatever it was. But listen, listen, we, we, we don't do this because we focus on three years, but we don't think about what he went through. That he knows teenagers, he knows what it is to live with other siblings and to lose your temper or to get in trouble for something they actually did. Right? He, he lived it. He had family. This is the only place in Scripture that we see his, his brothers. You ever thought about this, this idea? He had the dynamic of family. How about this? How many people knew that she was a virgin when she gave birth? I don't know. There's a term that they use for children that are born outside of wedlock. I wonder if Jesus was ever called that. Or how often that was sort of growing up to him. He was living a life that he might relate to you singles. If you ever thought about this, hit me this way, I'm thinking about Jesus. And it says, the scripture says he was tempted in every way. In every way. So at some point, Jesus went to the cross. And there was a good one, good one, you know what I'm saying? He did. I didn't really know that one. He was tempted in every way. Right? He experienced that. And for some of you go, whoa, 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 whoa. I got you, Pastor. He was never married. He ain't never dealt with all that kind of craziness. Well, that's funny because I believe the scripture calls him the bride and the groom, and the church is his bride. See, not only does he understand marriage, he understands what it means for his bride to be unfaithful. He understands it all, right? He understands it all. He understands what it means to be abandoned by his friends. You remember what happened? They all scattered. You remember Peter? I don't know that dude. You must be crazy. Cussing the whole time he's saying it. I don't, know, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Right? When Jesus started teaching at the very beginning, look at Mark 3 and 21. I mean, it, 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 it says, when his family heard about this, they heard about him teaching and all, they went to take charge of him, for they said he is out of his mind. I need you to grab something today of who Jesus is. And why he did what he did, he did it because he wanted to know and relate to everything, every hurt, and every pain, and every struggle. There is no detail of relationship that he doesn't understand. 
Number two, I would say he just understands life. Life, right? Just, just, life is hard, right? He was a carpenter for 18 years. Let me ask you this. <laughs> Most of the paintings that I've seen of Jesus, he's this like gaunt, skinny little white guy. You know what I'm talking about? Like, there's several old pictures. They've got this curveball hand thing. I don't know what this is. Right? And he's kind of gaunt and he's or, or we have these ideas of him being gentle and loving. And he's what he, he was when he needed to be. But do you also remember that he picked up a whip and cleared the temple? It, 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 listen, let's paint a correct picture of Jesus, right? A carpenter for 18 years. Okay. Jeans, flannel shirt, tool belt, and his hands were jacked up. Because guess what? They didn't have any power tools. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is, Jesus, man, for those of you who have a struggle focusing on Jesus, why? It's because all we talk about in the church is loving, gentle, and we have to be those things. But as men, we struggle because we're men, because we're kind of rough, and I need you to hear this morning. That's exactly who Jesus was. And he lived it. Have you ever thought about there were people that didn't want to pay him for his work in the carpentry shop? Or complaining customers. Now, I, said, I, don't, I don't like that. That's not exactly the way. I mean, he walks through that because he wants to understand your life. He paid taxes. He had conflicts with customers and neighbors. He lived through bad economies and bad governmental leaders. I think this part of Jesus is just as important as the preaching, healing, and dying. Why? Because he wanted to have relationship with you. Hebrews 4 and 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. If you believe that Jesus really understands, catch this. If you, if you believe that Jesus really understands your life, really understands your struggle, really understands what it's like to get up tomorrow morning and turn it, okay, well, hit snooze, and then turn the alarm off, and go into your job and deal with those people, anybody got those people in your life? He does. But when you understand that Jesus understands, it will change your relationship. You will pray differently. You will worship differently. You will serve differently. Everything that you do will be different if you understand that he understands that he lived it so you and he could have relationship. So he can understand who you are. Last one I would, I would say this. He understands pain. He understands pain. Some of you are here today and, and you're in pain. Maybe physical pain. But sometimes I think the worst pain is emotional pain. Right? Like sometimes I feel like I can deal with the physical stuff. But some of you have dealt with depression. And some of you have dealt with feeling less than. And, and he understands that. Why? Isaiah 53 and 3 is a description of him. He was despised. And rejected by man. Have you ever been bullied or picked on? So was Jesus. He was a man of sorrows. We we have these pictures of just being all you know white picking pants, and and you know I think I think it's the Disney mentality, and it's not just because we live so close to it. You know something happened with our world when we got TV shows that it took thirty minutes for everything to get fixed. You know what I'm talking about? Right, by the end of, I, I, some of you are old, I'm going to date myself. By the end of the love boat, all the relationships got fixed. 
Come on, if your best friend texts you, you pull it right up and read it. Right? But other people be like, well, let me ask you, when was the last time you looked at your word as your best friend's letter to you? That's what the Bible is. It's your best friend's story. It's your best friend's letter to you. It, 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 is, it is the manual for life. And so why would I not want to read what my best friend wrote to me? When you have a best friend, you schedule things around them. Right? And you'll change things because of your friends. Let me ask you, are you scheduling your life around Jesus, your best friend? Or do I do the opposite? Now it's Sunday and we're busy when we're gone on the boat today and we're going to do this. But, oh, his letter that he wrote, you remember your best friend? says, come and keep the Sabbath. says, don't forsake getting together as people do. I mean, this, this is what our best friend says, right? And, and so when we start to look at him in that way, we start to say, I, I want to do what my best friend has called me to do. It's not just a once a week kind of deal. As a matter of fact, Golly, there's a verse that's haunting in Matthew 7. Haunting. It keeps me up thinking about people in our community. Jesus describes that people will step forward in heaven and say, Hey, God, I did this and I was in Sunday school and I came and we did all these things and we even had miracles happen and this and that. And Jesus would respond, this is Jesus' words, I'm sorry, I never knew you. That's, that's, that scares me, y'all. That, that just that scares me. That's sobering, that's real. That's not just a bless me message so we all feel good today. That's a reality of there's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. There's a difference in, in, in giving them some kind of religious effort towards them and building a relationship. That's, that's the difference. Let me go back to the beginning of the message. Is he Jesus to you? Or is he Emmanuel to you? Do you call him Jesus? We said this all last week. I call you Jesus, right? And it's his name. And it is the name of our names. And it said, but there's a nickname. There's a nickname that defines something more. There's a nickname that defines a closeness, a relationship. And that is the name. See, Jesus thinks if he was a friend, let me show it to you, John 15 and 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus wants to be in that kind of relationship with you. And if Jesus understands relationship and life and pain, then let me go back to something I said a second ago, number two. Talk to him. Talk to him. Some of us need to stop praying formal prayers. Now I let you down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul. Can I say something to you? He knows that one. kids to do that at first, to teach them the process, so don't, don't get too legalistic on my comment there. Here's my point though. If I went to Jen and all I did was have formal conversations with her, what kind of marriage would we have? No, we, we, we need to have 
relationship. We need to have conversations. I would liken it to this. So my kids or other kids when I'm around teenagers, everybody's got their phone, right? Everybody's like this. Everybody's doing their thing. And so I ask one of them, what are you doing? I'm texting. Okay, who are you texting? I'm texting my friend. What did you say? I said, hey. What did did they say? They said, hey. What do you know now? I'm texting them again. What are you texting them? Heart emoji. And as silly as that sounds, listen to me. You know what Jesus would love? He loved a head. He loved a heart emoji. He loved being able to sit at your desk. He just go, this stinks, Jesus. I'm not happy right now. He'd love for you to be, you know, in a moment where things go well. And so, God, you're so good. I'm pulling away from the new building the other day. And the seniors are like busy beavers over there taking us out. I'm pulling away. I'm like, Jesus, you're so good. You're so good. I, I don't know what I did to be able to be a part of this. And the answer is nothing. You just let me. But I'm so grateful for you today. He's a friend who wants you to talk to him. He's a friend that wants to hear your voice. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That's what it means when it says we pray without ceasing. It's not that we're just praying all day. It's just that he is part of our conversation. It's mediating between the Father and us. God, that was hard. So talk to him this week. Talk to him when you're thinking, I got four kids, three would be enough. Nobody was missing this, that other one. Right? Jesus, you had seven at least in your family. You know what this is like. You saw your mother pulling her hair out. So would you help me today? Because you're my best friend. And I know you understand. In verse 4 and 16, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. So that we may receive and catch this mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Three things there. Did you catch those three things? Mercy, grace, and help. What are those? Mercy is that you don't get what you deserve. And I get an amen on that. Thank you, Lord, that I don't get what I deserve on. Grace, that you get what you don't deserve. Hallelujah, amen, on top of all that bold highlight underline. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That's what help that you get what you need. But that's, that's who he is. So number three, I know you've heard this before. I know you've been in church. For those of you who grew up in church, you've heard this a million times. But I'm going to ask you to, to think about it through fresh eyes. Trust him with your life. Trust him. Because he's your best friend. He's the best qualified to be your friend. Because he understands. Because he's walked in. And he lives in. And he knows. If he really is that good, then surrender your life to him. John 1 and 12. But to all who received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. All they needed to do was to trust him to save them. That's, that's the cool part. You don't have to do anything. You're a mess. And so many of us feel like we got to get ourselves put together before we come and approach God. And I think God looks at it and goes, you can't catch a fish before 
You can't clean up this glory kitchen. Come on. I'm not looking for perfect people. I didn't die on a cross for perfect people. I died on a cross for people who hurt and have frustration and have regret and sorrow. And come on, come on, come on, come on. I got you. I've been there. I've done that. I've seen it. I felt it. I lived it. I lived life for 30 years. Doing nothing but relating to you. That I might be able to sit next to that Holy Father and receive your prayer requests or your questions. Anybody have ever questioned God a little bit? Or your doubt? And Jesus has got broad shoulders. Because he knows what it feels like to hurt. He knows what it feels like to be frustrated. Just trust him. Psalm 37 to 5. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him. And he will help you. Let me pray for you today. Father, thank you for your word. Wow, Jesus, you're so cool. You're so cool. That you would limit yourself to a baby? That's just a little mind-boggling. I got some questions on that one, Jesus. We can talk about that later. That you did the childhood thing had sibling wars and rivalries. That you're a teenager and you have frustrations and what that was like and dealing with other people. And then you went to work and dealt with customers, neighbors, people who want to pay you with the energy or whatever. Jesus, you're so cool. You didn't just come. You did come to die and, and, and forgive ourselves, but that wasn't it. You came to live a life to relate to us. Thank you for that. Thank you that you would love us in that way. So today, God, we choose to trust you. With your eyes still closed, I want to pray for two different people today. Two different sets of people today. The first one is this. Everybody's eyes are closed, and I'm not trying to embarrass anybody or anything. But those of you who would say, you know what, today, I don't think I've ever started a relationship with Jesus. I've done the religion thing, and I've showed up in a seat, and I've been in a Sunday school class, but I'm not sure about the relationship. And today, all that would take is for you to say, Jesus, I want to start a relationship with you today. So I want to pray for you, with you, so to speak, and give you some words. Nothing really special about my words. What is special is the sincerity you put behind it. It would be something like this. Jesus, I don't understand it all. But I sense something today. I sense you calling me today to have a relationship with you. So today I choose to trust you. So as best as I can understand, I trust you. And surrender my life. And I want to begin a relationship with you. I want, I want to begin to develop that and understand what that is. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Come on, so I can have that relationship. And now help me, God, to develop the relationship with you moving forward so I can fulfill all that you have called me to do. With your eyes still closed, let me pray for another set of people. And that is those of us who have been in church for a long, long time. But it's gotten dry, if we're really honest. It's gotten religious. It's gotten ceremonial. We know the words. We know the things to say. 
you right there where you are with your eyes closed that the scripture says his mercies are new every morning. So this morning when you got up, he said the mercy is there for you again. Come back. Or maybe start again in developing a relationship with me by spending time with me and talking to me and reading the letter that I wrote you. You can fulfill what I told you to do. So Father, I pray for those today who feel the need to sort of make a recommitment to relationship today. To empower them, God. All, all, all the dark kingdom is going to try to come against them so we can keep them from reading their Bible or praying or talking to you. Would you strengthen them and encourage them, give them courage to do relationship this week in a new way, to understand you in a new way. So God, I just I thank you. Thank you for the call that you have for all of us to come back to what is the real today. And the real is relationship. Pray all of it. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to help you on your next steps. Please visit cotlakes.com. Join us weekly as we continue to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in our community.